0: Uh, already, we are Mark and Alexa. Um, we've been married 27 years. Um, I think we were uh, about
1: three at the time.
0: Yeah, we were about three. Um, yes, and so the, for the last uh, 10 years or more, we've been in Thailand, uh, where we do work with an organisation called HANS. Uh, that's working right in the north of Thailand, near the Myanmar border. Um, some of you, I think, may have been... Um, some are yet to go. For um, <laughs> Mark, prophesy Yeah, um, and our work is varied. Um, um, as Jeannie said, it's it's with refugees. It's with it's with the rural poor. Um, it's a it's a lot of agricultural communities around there. Um, so we've been we've helped with micro enterprise projects um, are based around agriculture. Um, lots of different things. We've also um, been involved with um, collaborative art projects um, in recent years, um, and that's been exciting for us. So, yeah, it's a, it's a broad range of things. That we can't really pin it down, um, but we, we do lots of different things, um, and mostly in Thai, which makes it even more problematic.
1: Yeah, Jack and Jill of all trades is our technical... Um name you know if you on the top of a bit of paper if we have to put what we do that's it um yeah we've been recently a few new projects have been um getting involved with well not getting involved with trying to promote the cause of um uh education for children with special educational needs because there is none in thailand um very very little so we're, we're kind of dabbling in that and trying to get that to the forefront of people's minds, especially the government. Um, and Mark's been involved with um, dabbling in coffee. He's now a coffee snob, <laughs> so please do not be offended if he offers you a, if you offer him a cup of coffee and he says, um, "Can I have a glass of water, please?" <laughs> I can't go anywhere. We can't go to a coffee shop anymore. It's it's terrible. Um, <laughs> it's that much of a snob. So, um, I think that probably covers most of the little bits and pieces that we've done. Um, For those of you who've had the opportunity to read it, we've been sending out a newsletter for the last few months, which we've got more detail in it. So, um, I'm sure if you look back through your emails, you can read a bit more about it.
2: Yes, thank you for your communications that have improved dramatically. (laughs) (laughs) You mean mean there are some now? (laughs) So, Mark and Alexa, how can we support you and, um, and pray for you? Can you outline the main priorities at the moment? Um,
0: yes. Uh, one big prayer point for us is visas. Um, we've recently been told that um, we will not be issued the normal visas that we, have been, we normally come back to the UK to apply for. Um, legislation has changed, and so we'll only issue three-month visas... Um, that shouldn't be a problem, other than the fact that the foundation's paperwork, who we normally apply for the visa through, uh, is incomplete. Um, it got shoved under somebody's, some official's drawer and forgotten about for a couple of years, and which means it's out of date. So until that's sorted, um, our... Application for a for ex, um, extension beyond three months is questionable, um, certainly questionable. It's, it's a it's a no go in country, which means having to leave to go to a neighbouring country, say Lao, but there's no guarantee that they'll issue it there. Um, so please please pray for that. Um, it's um, we have two months left, so we might see you again at Christmas. But um, yeah, so please pray it's it's a bit um visas are always a bit of a stress point for us um and uh we're immigrants so you know um it's good to pray for immigrants um another prayer point would be f- uh, continuing for um greater community um it's been difficult in recent years um for us to access community that is uplifting building encouraging um we all need that um that's improved a lot um Recently, But please pray for that to continue, um, so that we can find people that, that, that can, we can share with, we can encourage with, we can pray together with um, and build one another up with and, and seek God together for what he's wanting to say and do in that area. I would say those are the two. There's lots more, um, but please, yeah, those are the two big ones.
1: Father, we thank you for this couple who have put so much into the land of Thailand, and who have been learning so much along the way too. We thank you for the things that you are teaching them, the way that you are refining them. But we also pray for the very practical problems that they have with things like visas. We do ask that this paperwork that's incomplete can be completed so that the problem of this constant repetition of applying for visas can come to an end and they can stay there for a longer period in your plan in jesus name Amen.
2: father you know what these guys need you know what their hearts need you know what um, their bodies need you know what their minds need father you are a good god who supplies all their needs and so we just um just ask, Lord, that you draw close to them, that they can real, have a real sense of you real close and real nearby and in them um, supplying everything they need practically and spiritually and physically. We pray for good friends who can provoke them into loving you more. Amen. Father, we just pray for favour with the authorities, particularly on the borders, And we are reminded that your authority is greater than any other authority. Mm. So we pray, Father God, in the name of Jesus, that they would find favor on those borders. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So Father, we gather these prayers together. And we pray with them that they would find like-minded people to fellowship with, to seek you with, and to work out your kingdom in Thailand. I just wanted to share one verse with you. Thanks be to God, who always leads us in triumphal procession in Christ, and through us spreads everywhere the fragrance of the knowledge of him. For we are to God the aroma of Christ among those who are being saved and those who are perishing. And we thank you that we already see the aroma of Christ in this couple, and we pray it will increase. And we pray no matter what they do, that Christ in them will shine forth and that Christ in them will lead them as they are yoked with you, will lead them into the new territories that you have as you extend your kingdom in this part of Northern Thailand. And we say thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen.
0: Thanks.
2: So. As you go back to your seats, I'd like to just pray for Mark and Alexa as they bring bring a word to us. So, Father, we thank you that you're here, and we thank you for the preparation that Mark and Alexa have done. And we pray that you would gather their thoughts together, and by your Holy Spirit, um, focus them as they share and speak to our hearts, that together we may partner in your kingdom. Amen.
0: Uh, last week, uh, Paul uh, talked about uh, the buzz he experienced uh, in, in his relationship with, to Father, um, and in, in his encouragement to him in his relationship with the Father. Um, it, was, it, was a, it was an eye-opening talk for me to hear that, that expression, buzz. Um, I would like to share with you um, um, about my relationship with the Father, um, and the things he's been encouraging me in, um, and I hope some of it uh, makes sense. Um, There are three things in particular that um, he's uh, been encouraging me in uh, recently. They are rest, play, and creativity. Um, So here we go. I used to love rock climbing, Uh, I loved being in nature, I loved the remoteness of being halfway up a cliff face, Um, the silence, the serenity of it. Um, I loved the uh, problem solving of finding your way up a difficult route. I loved the sense of movement over rock, Um, the, the combination of strength and grace that was required. I loved it. I I thoroughly enjoyed rock climbing. But what has rock climbing got to do with missions? Surely nothing. A meaningless pursuit. Uh, A mere fancy. And that's what I thought. And I, over years, I buried that. I buried that joy. Uh, And I ventured into a life years, a few years of serving um, God of serving uh, him in the work of the advancement of the kingdom of God um, that noble pursuit after years of serving in the field I I was tired Um, and it was, thankfully, uh, City Church leadership who uh, noticed that and in their wisdom and in their love suggested that um, I, well, Alexa and I, um, take a break. And this was a few years ago, and, and so we did. We, we entered into um, a sabbatical period. What I realised was I, I was... It, it wasn't... The tiredness wasn't just... It wasn't due to... Um, cultural fatigue which, is, which happens um, but it was more than that uh, I lacked hope I, I lacked joy in, in hindsight I realised that I'd lost sight of God God is my loving father what Paul was talking about last week um, and of me being his son my relationship was more Actually, more akin to um, me being his odd job man, you know that. What, that was the nature of my relationship towards him. Um, I would go as far to say that I I prized servanthood over sonship, and I saw my significance and my value in more in what um, in my work, in what I could accomplish, in what I could do rather than who he made me to be. So when we were advised to take the sabbatical, actually the night that we were advised to do that, to enter into that, I was in my bed, um, couldn't sleep, and I, I heard Jesus speak to me for the first time, well, probably, he's been speaking to me probably for a long time, but it was the first time I listened or heard him. Um, and what he said was, Mark, you need to learn to rest again. And, and so began a, um, a process of, um, of repentance, a reflection of restoration. And uh, he took me to the first mention of, of rest in the Bible, in Genesis 1. Um, here God uh, finishes his work of creation, and then he rests. Why? Was he tired? Um, knows after the work of creation God puts his stamp of approval on it. Firstly in word, this is excellent, this is good in every way, this is perfect in every way. But then he puts his stamp of approval on it in action. He rests. He stops his work and he rests. It's like it's like an artist painting a picture, who's painted a picture and it's that point, I don't know if any of you are artists, but it's that point where you, where you reach in painting a picture, where you, you, you come to a, a decision, and you, you say, this is, there's nothing more to add here. This is good, and therefore I'm going to sign it. And that's it. It's finished. Done. Perfect. It's a, it's a bold statement to make. I don't know if any of you know that. Graham knows that, because he's an artist. But... Um, it's a bold statement, and it's a confident statement to make. It's a prof- profound statement to make, because it means there's nothing more to add, and that's the rest that God took in in creation. Um, that was His signature, and we see that reflected in the work of Jesus on the cross. That 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 work on the cross, is, again, Paul. I'm just borrowing from you, okay? So, the work on the cross was the end of the sacrificial system. Um, it 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 it, it um, brought us brought an end to that separation of man from god it presented us holy before him it, it restored um, access to the father and and when you look at jesus it's interesting jesus on the cross his final words were some of his final words it is finished that work was complete just like an artist there's that signature again so th- this is some of the things that god was was taking me through i'm 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 telling them to you as god was telling them to me um, if that makes any sense mark you need to learn to rest again i was faced with a realization that i've been trying to find my worth in my work rather than finding my worth in God's rest. I'll say that again. I had been trying to find my worth in my work rather than to find, trying to find my rest in my worth in God's rest. I measured my worth against how many people are you impacting with the gospel, uh, how many projects are being done that are, that are reaching out to the most broken and lost. How many people are you practically serving with the love of Jesus? Quantifying my worth by numbers. I was not valuing uh, the work of God as he did. If I did, it would look like rest. It was a sobering thought. Play. So what does it mean to rest uh, in God's work? Well, I think it looks a lot like play. In Mark 10, Jesus says, um, let the children come to me and do not hinder them. I tell you the truth, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will not enter it. Matthew 18, unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. When a child is in a loving and secure environment, they rest in that knowledge. They're not concerned about where the next meal is coming from or how they're going to afford shoes for school. No, their default activity from that flows out of that, that relationship, that, that, that environment, that safe environment, is play. Children play. And play is about experiencing, it's about exploring, it's about learning, it's about growing, it's about um, risk-taking, it's about imagination, it's about, it's about dreaming, it's about, it's about creativity, it's about taking ideas and bringing them into reality. And it's fun. I think Genesis 1... When you look at Genesis 1, I think that's all about play. It's at the very heart of who God is. It's an expression of who he is. Our society tends to dismiss play for adults. Play is perceived as unproductive, petty, or even a guilty pleasure. The notion is that once we reach adulthood, it's time to get serious. I would say... uh, that was true for me in the context of, of world missions and reaching, out, uh, reaching the lost. Um, after all, what has play got to do with missions? Well, everything. I believe that the extent to which we can engage in play is directly related to the extent of our understanding of the Father's heart and his great love for us. That great love is fully expressed in Jesus on the cross that brought my my freedom, freedom to call God Abba, Daddy, and to enter into the fullness of that relationship, which expresses itself through play, I think. Creativity. So what does play look like for me? Well, it looked like rock climbing. But what has rock climbing Got to do with missions everything just ask Mark Gallagher <laughs> one day I will return to it and with my father refine the joy of rock climbing in the meantime he's reminding me of another area of my life that I buried and that is that is my creative gifting especially in the arts I hesitate to call myself an artist I think that's, that is a key part of rest, actually, is being able to say, being comfortable in your own skin, and being able to say, I am a... I am an artist. I am an artist. There you go. I've said it. I've said it. It's been a struggle. It's been a struggle to walk um, in that. Um, to be okay with using my time and energy to engage in art, for art's sake because I enjoy it, especially in the context, in our context, in the context of missions. Um, The battle is real. The battle against those notions that say it's frivolous or self-indulgent. And I don't always win, but by God's grace, I'm taking ground, albeit very slowly. Last year, uh, some of you may have seen um, some of the cards and calendars I made. It was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun to to mess around with stuff like this. Um, but there was a fight involved, um, and it's a fight I'm still fighting against the voices that say, "What's the point? What's the significance? Isn't it a waste of time? What has art got to do with missions?" And everyone said. Everything. It's not odd job men that God is looking for, but children who know how to play. He desires children who are at rest in his love, who are not afraid to fail, but willing to have a go, to believe, to hope, to imagine, to create, and in so doing, grow up into sons that will co-create with him. I'm now going to hand over to Alexa.
1: The next 10 minutes will probably consist of me putting on my glasses and taking them off again constantly so that I can see you and the page. Mark's talked a little bit about um, what happened to him before and in and through the sabbatical that we took. Um, For me, my tiredness before our sabbatical was also because of a misunderstanding of worth and of value. For those who don't know me, I'm someone who's always wanted to do the right thing and to please God and the people around me. I value harmony and the absence of conflict at all costs. I'm empathetic and I care about other people's feelings. My prayer was always, God, show me what you want me to do. Because I want to make the right choices and choose the best path in life. I can't know all the potential outcomes of any given choice or decision, so I'd much rather God choose for me, because, well, he's all-knowing, and I'm not, and so then I can't go wrong. So for the first half of my adult life, I knuckled down to it to do the right thing, to be a good servant, to put others' needs and desires first, lay down my own life, take up my cross. I practiced hard at pushing down my own desires or wants, in case they were mine, not God's in case they were fleshly or frivolous. I did well. I became good at serving others, going the extra mile, doing everything unto the Lord, working hard and pushing myself towards excellence in all the mundane little tasks that normally get overlooked. Doing whatever my hand found to do and doing it with all my heart, thinking through how all my words and actions might affect others so as not to hurt anybody's feelings by accident. Are you starting to feel tired and heavy just by listening to all of this yet? (laughs) Yeah, well, perseverance is a godly trait. So, well, that's what I told myself anyway when I didn't want to do something till it was finished. And it all sounds very biblical and good. I can quote many scriptures which tell me so. But then on our sabbatical, Sim asked me a question. He said, what is it ...that you like doing? What brings you joy? I couldn't answer him. Because I didn't know. And he kept asking me. (laughs) Several other people kept asking me. It took me months. I still couldn't answer. Because I didn't know. I'd squashed the very life and joy out of myself. And I'd seemingly done it all for the good of the gospel... Now, these are all good things. Serving is not wrong. It is pleasing to God, and it's good to learn how to do it and do it well until it becomes second nature. But long term, it became the focus for me to the loss and the detriment of other parts of me, and God wanted to restore the balance. I know now that it wasn't rest, not the kind of rest Mark's talking about. It wasn't life giving however much of it was good and right and honourable. Matthew 7.16 says, You shall know a tree by its fruit. And I think I was functioning mostly from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, rather than from the tree of life. My good intentions had become good works, because they were almost all that was left of me. I was now missing that life and vitality that comes from freedom and rest, in knowing the fullness of who God created me to be. I was also functioning as God's servant rather than his daughter and his friend. And the fruit of that was tiredness, striving, and a lack of joy, a lack of me. I also now realise that, if I'm honest, some of my putting others first was actually because I can't bear any kind of conflict that directly involves me, and I just want to run and hide and rock myself, if there's anything like that around and so I let everyone else do what they wanted to do rather than pushing for my own wants um it was fear at the root I just cloaked it in spiritual clothing to make myself feel better about wimping out um long time ago I heard Bob Mumford speak at Days of Destiny on the verse in Exodus 33 thank you for mentioning that last week Paul because I was going to touch on it too um where Moses asks God to show him his glory God's reply was that he will cause his goodness to pass in front of him and he will proclaim his name. At which point it became apparent that the glory of God is his character. Since then, I've become increasingly aware that God makes each of us with unique characters, interests, likes, things we're drawn to exploring and learning about and enjoying, and that it's through these things. In us, as well as through the rest of his creation, that he chooses to reveal the differing aspects of his character to the world. After Moses saw the goodness and character of God, his face was temporarily reflected the glory of God. Now, because of Jesus, we have God living in us by his Holy Spirit, whose task it is to help us change from our old ways and become more and more in line with the character of Jesus. 2 Corinthians 3.18 talks about we who with unveiled faces all reflect the Lord's glory are being transformed into his likeness with ever increasing glory which comes from the Lord who is the spirit. I've known this for many years and still the old habit patterns of thinking about being a good Christian trip me up and bound me until I lost sight of that God reflecting character in the midst, in the midst of focusing on good works. It's always so easy to be tempted back to choosing the fruit of the tree of knowledge, trying to be godly by what we do. All the shoulds and oughts of everyday life crowded in and pushed out the life that was in the fullness of the me that God designed me to be for his glory. So not really knowing who that me was anymore, I began on a strategy at the Holy Spirit's instigation, which I call Refined and Refine. It started because I no longer knew what brought me joy by simply learning to pay attention to my whims. Previously, when I had a whim, I would look at it wistfully as it dawned on my mental horizon and tell myself all the reasons why it wasn't possible to follow it right now as it went past on its way. But I began to stop, grab it, look at it, and remember a little about who God made me to be how he designed me to enjoy certain things because he enjoys them and dare to follow it for a while to give myself permission there's the rub god already gave me permission when he took legalism and self-striving to the cross and crucified it on my behalf but i need to give myself permission to enter into that freedom on an everyday practical level Please understand that I'm not saying that I need never again do anything I don't feel like doing. Life is full of responsibilities and tasks. But that I need to prioritize the things that reflect God in me. And that the way to find out what those things are is to follow the joy. What is it that brings delight in my life and energizes me rather than drains and sucks life out of me? God is a God of joyfulness. He doesn't look frowningly upon my enjoyment. That's religion's arena. He created it. One of the things I remembered I enjoy is creating beautiful spaces and growing things in my garden. When I'm gardening, I have the opportunity to slow down and look carefully and intentionally... Where do I point this thing? ...at the beauty in the detail of what god has created these are flowers in my garden by the way oh and jackfruit to soak it in to wonder and to enjoy and sometimes to me it feels as if i'm looking right into his very face but gardening's not a necessity and there are far more important things to be doing and looking right into the very face of God um, in fact when I do it's pretty much all just maintenance and hacking back the jungle rather than soaking in and then co-creating beauty with God interestingly as I was preparing for this God reminded me of the people I know in the community around our house in Fang all of those that I have a relationship with are mostly because of our garden either because I'm outside tending to it and therefore available to talk to, or because they're farmers and growing is their life, and they're therefore very interested in what we're growing. They also love to bring me cuttings and seeds to plant because we have this in common and therefore have a basis through which to relate. Several of them have said that being in our garden brings them joy. They feel happy there. Our garden is a battlefield, spiritually, physically and emotionally. Physically, because I'm battling termites, ants' nests, all sorts of tropical critters and trifid like weeds, and because one needs to wear full-body armour and be prepared to sweat several pints in order to garden in the tropics. Spiritually, because it's something that I believe reflects the glory of God to those around me, creating beauty speaks of God. And so, it's an area that the enemy has homed in on to make nigh on impossible for me to do. And I'm in cahoots with him by letting him sidetrack me with other things telling me it's not important. Emotionally, because I'm exhausted from the fight, the failures and the plant deaths, and I often want to give up, I had been thinking that I should be doing all the other important work about reaching out to the lost in the fang area, not realising that when I garden, the lost come to me. Just before we came here, Mark helped me to do a bit of warfare Despite the high probability that everything would die whilst we were here in England, (laughs) I thought I would go ahead and start making a shade plant area in my garden. I've wanted to do this since we built the house nine years ago, but I've always found reasons not to do it. I knew doing it would be an act of defiant creativity, and so I did. We managed to set out the main area and plant some of the plants before we came away and enjoyed the process of doing it, trying not to worry about whether it survives or not. Our neighbour sent us a message last week saying that she's been watering for it for us while we've been away because she doesn't want it to die. Creativity is hope in action. Hebrews 11.1 says, Faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. We have to have a hope, an idea, or vision of something in order to create it, right? Creating is therefore an act of faith. It's also warfare. It's the very thing we were created to do in order to reflect the glory of God. Being fully you is the best way to spread the hope and the glory of God to the lost and the broken because it points them to their source, to their creator. It speaks to them of their true identity and whispers to them that they were designed for more, for joy in relationship with God. It gives them hope. And as Romans 5:5 5, 5 says, "Hope does not disappoint." Talk a little bit about uh, the art and creativity. Oh, we're running out of time. God's gifted us creatively in different ways, Mark and I. He's been calling those things out of us in different ways. He's given us specific words about art being a voice, a language. He gave us Zechariah 1.18 to 21 through Henry, right there, at City Church a couple of years ago, which showed us that art and creativity is also a form of spiritual warfare, particularly against hopelessness and the loss of identity. The art we did for a missions conference that we were involved in, have we got that? No. Um, You've seen some of those pictures on some of our newsletters and... Video clip earlier in the year um, was a collaborative project with two other artists and was an amazing and upbuilding experience, seeking God together about what he wanted to say, taking the words he'd shared with us and making something physical and visual that he used powerfully to speak to others and to build them up. If creativity is hope in action, then we want to say yes to God, to agree that it has value, to learn how to activate hope. So we're having to build in boundaries in our day-to-day lives to give space and priority to it, to make it happen. And it isn't just us, we're hearing similar stories about others whom God is calling back to the arts, Um, and they're equally confused as us about it. There's a guy called Michael that we've met, who's been a missionary for 30 years in a remote village in Thailand, He's been establishing a church, discipling people, and church planting—you know all the kinds of things one expects missionaries to do. And um, and he's currently wrestling with the fact that just as his ministry is starting to take off after thirty years and become very fruitful, God's telling him that He wants him to focus on art again, which has been a passion of his that he laid down when he left art college. He's excited, but he's struggling to see how he can do that in the light of all his responsibilities. And where in the world art fits practically in the furtherance of the gospel? He, however, is being obedient anyway and spending every moment he can creating art. Art and creativity is a physical, practical outworking of rest and hope. It's prophetic. It's warfare. God wants to speak through our creativity. It's also fun. Well, it could be if we let it be. For those of you who are at this moment disqualifying yourselves from this because you don't think of yourselves as being creative, creativity is found in every sphere of life, in every subject, in every single person on the face of the earth. We just have different ways of expressing it and outworking that creativity. What are yours?
0: Um, We've taken too much time, but um, can we just pray, um, if that's okay... Um, Father, we thank you for your incredible creativity. Thank you uh, that you uh, rejoice uh, when we are uh, creative because it reflects who you are. Um, And I pray uh, for all of us here that we we could help us to enter in uh, to those areas uh, that you've gifted us with, to express them and to be okay with them and to enjoy them. Um, Because as we do, we reflect um, your love for us and it brings you joy. I pray you give us increased freedom to express you in in a multitude of different ways. In, In your name, Jesus. Amen.